Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a bang bang, are listening to a religion broadcasting premiere podcast. Damn you, Hollywood! And here's your host, Robert. God damn it, Robert Winfrey! Yay! Hello, everyone. We're a day late, a dollar short, and a little bit late to start, but here we are, and we're happy to talk about a movie that everyone saw last week. <laughs> Two weeks ago. But uh, life is life, and occasionally the schedule must be adapted to service the real world. I was that's, glamping. That's why. That's it. That's <laughs> the reason. So, we are here to talk about Top Gun Maverick, and we are joined by a couple of people. First up... Uh, our aviation enthusiast, without whom we could not do this show, he insisted upon it, much like The Godfather. <laughs> There's my crappy Family Guy reference for the evening. Hey David now. Wright, how are you? I am good. I'm feeling the need, the need for speed. So let's kick the tires and light the fires and go into the danger zone. Let's be the. Oh, I just made a bad joke. <laughs> I just racked up sixty bucks in bar fees at Miramar, or sorry, Fallon, if I was Did at you? a gun. Oh, I thought you said you. I thought you went to like a bar tonight and racked up sixty dollars. I'm about to give you no. a high five. <laughs> also joining us because he insisted upon it for reasons that I assume have to deal with his love of not so vaguely homoerotic movies. Jason T. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate, baby. <laughs> Damn, it's got to be. I, I, look, somebody had to eat that particular bullet. I apologize, Jason. You I'll bet he had I, to eat it. It's I don't crazy. Know. Well, you can eat a bag of dicks, Robert. But uh, there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just, glad just to be. Cram them in there and swirl them around. There you go. Um, all of them. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely demanded. This was one of those movies that uh, I think I I called dibs on last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when it was uh, supposed to come out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Mark Mark makes the infamous joke: if there's anybody that wants to be on a show, they must check with me first because. I've already got the next two years, uh, about the next two years uh, mapped out on shows I'm going to be a part of. Well, well, well these days it's a loose flow chart. Yeah. Very <laughs> mobile. Very fluid. You're going to introduce me? Like the star of this here shit? The danger zone no. himself? No. Operating from the zone of less than ideal circumstances where please, please don't let OSHA come around. <laughs> Violating more naval code than Maverick, who would never have survived the first 40 minutes as a career man in the, first, in the original Top Gun, if you're familiar at all with the naval law. Mark Radulich. Mark, you subjected your son to this. I did. We, we both had the need for speed and T-shirts. Uh, he liked it. I'll just get that out of the way real quick. Um, he thought it was amazing. His, his exact words to me, and I really feel like we don't need the three hours this movie is going to take to talk about between the four of us. By the way, uh, sure, I, can, I can be on. I, I can do this all night. I have nowhere to be. So get ready, boys. Well, the first ever six hour. Damn you, Hollywood. Buckle um, in. How about no? <laughs> what a day. You, 
<laughs> um, my son I'll said, play, "I'll I'll play chicken with you on this, Mark. Just so you know." Um, you're looking at the world international gay chicken champion right here. So you know, whatever, man. It's your your funeral. If I could uh, finish, your what county I'm does not count as the world. <laughs> My son's exact words were, the best part of the movies was when they were flying jets. I could have lost everything else. And I feel like that's most people's assessment of this film. That's most people's the assessment best, of the original. That's the original, too. Yeah, it's like like if you just cut out Kelly McGinnis's teeth and you cut out um, Jennifer Connelly <laughs> on this one, like you, you know, that, all that's left is the best parts of the movie. Hey, before yeah. we continue... Um, before we jump into the uh, the plot synopsis and the craft review, uh, we have special requests coming in from the array of fans around the world of Damn You Hollywood. Specifically, someone watched this movie and was very much like you and David, Robert, was very in tune to the technical aspects of it. They were curious, David first and then Robert, what the movie got right in terms of technical accuracy vis-a-vis... Uh, flying the jets, the, you know, things of that aspect, and what was another fiction. Um, to Robert's point, I think they wanted to know also some of the science behind whether or not these people would have survived any of that in reality. So, oh, I don't, I don't mean a... science. I mean legally. Like if if <laughs> okay, you're not familiar, in, in the first 20 minutes of the original Top Gun, Maverick mm-hmm. commits like four offenses that would get him grounded <laughs> and in wartime could get him the death penalty. Indeed. By the way, your your brother also getting in on the gay chicken demands eight hours. I, I challenge accepted, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, David, uh, if you could just 50 words or less on your assessment of the technical aspects for the first time in the history of Damn You Hollywood, I'm actually encouraging a Mr. Wizard moment. <laughs> Go. OK, so again, I am not a fighter pilot. I've never flown a fighter jet, never been in any Air Force or Navy. I am very much an armchair enthusiast speaking here. So take that for what you will. Uh, overall, from my point of view, it got a lot more right than wrong. It's very clear that they listened to their advisors and did their best to heed to that whenever they could, only making deviations for story reasons or effect. Um, I was surprised to see that pretty much every button and switch that they used in the cockpits was like the real button and switch used for what it was being used for, with a couple of exceptions, namely the big red flare button, which is still a real button on the plane. It's just they also have a thumb switch on the throttle that they would use instead. But again, big red button you smash with your fist looks so much cooler in the fight. Uh, same for in the yeah. F-18. Yeah. Not F-18. Yeah. yeah. F-14, uh, the wing sweep. Maverick uses like the big uh, sweep lever next to the throttle, where again, he has a little little hat switch on the on the throttle that he could just use. But again, it's like, I need to put the wings out, click. <laughs> that doesn't really have the same effect as pull big lever. Uh, the radar screens, uh, while it's not accurate to what I've seen, they use more like a square shape instead of a like a triangular shape for, for it. And this one had a pulse going instead of a sweep. But again, like most modern radars, I don't even know how they work because classified. But again, it, it, it showed you what you needed to know. All the symbology seemed to be pretty accurate to what I could see. Um, the calls, call-outs they made on the radio seemed fairly accurate. They had their masks on most of the time, but not all. Uh, yeah, it, it does quite a bit. Um, I, I would say for like culturally, if it was realistic or not, or legally, if it was realistic or not, I would 
recommend you check out the first the fighter pilot podcast they've done top gun content all month these are actual retired and still in service naval aviators that actually know how this stuff works and can tell you mostly they said that you know pretty much everything that you see in this movie is things that these aircraft are capable of to one degree or another i um so yeah that was pretty good uh, another one is uh if you look for uh, cw lemoyne i'm not getting to try and spell that name but to look for like a mover ruins movies on youtube and he, <laughs> again he's a former f-16 f-18 pilot who who's done a lot of uh stuff on top gun uh, lately and uh, another one to look for is uh ward carroll who's a former uh top gun instructor i believe and uh, f-14 rio like the guy that sits in the back aka goose all right, Robert, for the first time in the 10 years we've been doing this, of all the hours, countless hours, I've had to listen to you say, this doesn't work that way. For the very first time, the very thing, Robert Winfrey, this is your moment. This is your time. Please, here I am with vascular attention to detail, explain why this does or does not work that way. Uh, the physics, most of it works that way. Like David said, you know, they uh, they absolutely paid attention to the uh, advisors they had. Most of the shooting of the anything that anything that they shot in the plane, they had a really interesting way of shooting it. They had arrays that they would stick to the outside of the cockpits, and then they would. A lot of these were shot in uh, two seater F 18s so they'd have the actor in the back and the pilot in the front, and the pilot's actually doing all this stuff while the actor is in the back acting like they're doing this stuff. So it creates a very visceral experience in that respect, and it does kind of marry you to reality in a lot of ways that the, the movie as a whole benefits from tremendously. If we're talking about the legal system as it pertains to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, I hate to say this again, but the opening sequence wherein Maverick <laughs> disobeys a direct order, a direct order, mind you, more than once, and demonstrates reckless disregard for his aircraft, all of which can get you busted, grounded, or dishonorably discharged. And he does this multiple times because this makes the character, so we ignore the reality. I mean, you can get, was it, you could get like 20 years for buzzing a tower in the way that he does. Like, you, you're going to lose your wings. Doesn't he do that in the first one? He does. does he, he does, does it again okay. here. Okay. But it, again, like the reality of military life is mostly thrown out the window for the sake of character dramatics. So again, Maverick can steal an aircraft and then put it in serious danger. So disobey again, we're disobeying orders, reckless disregard for government property, reckless disregard for your aircraft. There's just so many things. That would just never happen. The never. the run the run on the mili on the uh, uranium uh, facility. How? <laughs> Hang on, I got to put a comment up there in a second. But I wanted you to address specifically the run on the, the the third act run on the uranium facility. How close to reality was that? To the best of my knowledge, and again, I I'm like David. Admiral, uh, Admiral Mia, but uh, very close. It helps to have a general in your <laughs> it, pocket, too. Yeah, there you go, buddy. There you Very good. Yeah, this is the Navy, so they have admirals, not generals. Some people are very picky about that. Mostly people in the but, Navy and but, other but our, but our friend Mia's point is valid. It helps to have a higher up in your, you know, it helps to have, as we learned from The Wire, it helps to have a rabbi in your pocket. 
again, it, it does for the sake of some of the stuff that he does in this movie. It does not explain mm-hmm. the first one, but <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right, the one, go, anyway, and we got we got to get into this. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, you know, I'm like David here in the sense that I'm I'm kind of an armchair enthusiast to the extent that I am. I I listen to a lot of other people who know a lot more than I do, so I would encourage you if you're curious to find actual experts rather than the polemicizing that we tend to do here. <laughs> it's not a knock; like polemics are useful, but it helps to be upfront about what we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's difficult, but. I don't. I didn't see anything that necessarily read as impossible. The way the Sam sites work relative to the planes flying that has me cocking an eyebrow. But yeah, the, the missiles follow the airplanes exactly. But uh, otherwise, yeah, that's well. That and the ability to get under them, like their radar is literally pointed at a forty-five degree angle above the canyon, just seems a little. I'm not. Again, I am not up to date on all surface-to-air missile technologies or which I'm going to assume former Soviet satellite state that this is set against mm-hmm. uh, would be uh, would be using either. So, Well, a lot of the time with SAM sites, the radars aren't even part of the launchers. They're off yeah. somewhere else. So I, I'd say it's, it's realistic that, yeah, flying to the canyon, they, canyon, canyon, they, they wouldn't be have, have radar available to see the planes. And yeah, I, from, from what I... Yeah, okay, I'll go... It's a thing I'll go, I'll go along with it. Like they don't do anything that's so stupid that I just face again. Like there's a little bit with the missiles, like tracking the way that they do, because that's mostly Hollywood hook them. Was there anything in the movie that was a glaring light? Not I'm talking from a technical and scientific aspect. I don't really want to hear about military life yet again. Anything that we haven't talked about that, that seriously doesn't work that way. You can say no and we will move on. But if there's a yes, get it done and let's, let's go. The only thing I caught was when they tried to hand wave away the F-35 as being unable to do the mission due to GPS jamming. Yeah. Like They didn't use GPS for any of this, and all these fighters <laughs> would have inertial <laughs> navigation systems anyway, which is basically like the accelerometers in your phone, how your phone knows which way you're moving it. Think of like a right. very fancy version of that. So it knows where it starts. It knows how, how it's been moving. does a bunch of math. It knows where it is on the planet. Uh, F-35 has that. F-18 has that. The F-35 has laser-guided bombs. The F-18 has laser-guided bombs. The F-35 would have just done it at higher altitude with stealth, would have dropped it in. But again, no movie if that were to happen, and the Navy didn't want to use the F-35 because classified. Yeah, that, that's kind of the big glaring one. Like They give you a BS reason. Uh, again, like, mm-hmm. yeah, the GPS is jammed. Well, you see, I'm wondering, but I'm wondering, you work I'm with wondering what you I'm wondering from a script writing perspective if there was a way to do to, to to do what they did. I'm wondering if there was a better way to write it so that they could do what they were doing. Any thoughts? Um, other than the F-35 cop-out, I'd say that it was actually a fairly realistic scenario as best as I've heard mm-hmm. from people who know better than me. And yeah, everything they did in the, in the Hornets were things that they do train to do in the Hornets the way that they did them. So it pretty much all all makes sense the way that they went about it. I mean, the, the only thing right. you could do that might be a reason you wouldn't use the F-35 would be, again, this would be utter, this is utter fiction, but if you mention that they've got some new radar technology that mucks with their stealth capabilities, like we yeah. can't go high altitude. All right. Uh, Let's, so we're going to move on to the, it, though. We're going to move on to the plops and that's Jason is literally commenting on the show, in the show he's in. So, what a tay. Let's move this on. All I'm gonna right. go ahead and just read. I'm gonna go ahead and just read straight from this because we have a lot of people and a lot of stuff to talk about. 
and I want to get through it quickly. Over three decades after the events of the first film, Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell is played by Tom Cruise is serving as a U.S. Navy test pilot who has avoided promotion to continue flying. As Rear Admiral Chester Hammer Kane approaches to shut down the hypersonic Dark Star scramjet program and redirect the funds to drones, they fly over, they fly over. Maverick flies the prototype to its speed objective, then pushes further into hyper hypersonic ludicrous speed, destroying it. Kane wants to ground Maverick. Yes, they've gone to plaid. Um, how many assholes we got on this ship? Yo. Yo. Uh, um, <laughs> just as an aside, we're getting t-shirts made of that. Thanks, Rattledge family. How many assholes we got on this ship? And on the back, it's going to say yo. Um, <laughs> we watched baseballs recently. I don't believe this. Uh, I'm surrounded by assholes. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> no, you got to do that on camera. Yeah. Yeah. How many assholes we got on this ship? Yo. Yo. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, yeah, fourth. Yeah, Derpy Gaming. If only this was during the Fourth of July weekend, it would have been a bit more epic. Uh, yeah, that could have been a good time. Though I think they went for a Memorial Day weekend, so yeah, you still get that sort of military America patriotism thing. Kane wants to ground Maverick for his recklessness, but instead sends him to the NAS North Island as a Top Gun instructor, as ordered by Maverick's friend and former rival, Ad- Admiral Tom Iceman Kazanski, the commander of the U.S. Pacific Fleet. Yeah, Maverick full ordered, admiral, full stars. <laughs> Maverick is ordered to train an elite group of FA-18 EF Super Hornet aviators assembled by Vice Admiral Bo Cyclone Simpson and Rear Admiral Solomon Warlock Bates for an urgent mission to bomb a, a mystery unknown foreign country, something ending in Stan more than likely, but we never know. Unspecified Eastern European country. <laughs> yeah, something like Look, that. It's the un, this is the unspecified uranium plant of unknown origin. Yeah, it's the same place the Ultimate Warrior came from. Unknown origin. It's basically uh, the plot of Iron Eagle 2. Essentially. Unsanctioned uranium enrichment plant. The plant sits in a deep depression at the end of a canyon and is defended by a surface-to-air missiles and fifth-generation fighters operating from a nearby airbase. Maverick plans an attack with two pairs of Super Hornets, which will fly through a canyon and destroy the plant. So the the avi- the it has a small the- thermal exhaust port about two meters wide. <laughs> I used to bust Womp Rats. Womp Rats yeah, back it's not much bigger that. than a Womp Rat. Yeah. <laughs> the aviators initially rebuffed Maverick, particularly by the self-confident Lieutenant Jake Hangman Saracen and by Lieutenant Bradley Rooster Bradshaw, who is the son of Maverick's late best friend, uh, Rio Nick Goose Bradshaw. As the aviators train for the mission, friction develops between Hangman and Rooster, who resents Hangman's cavalier attitude towards his wing- wingman, while Hangman criticizes Rooster's caution. As the aviators observe Maverick's skill, they reassess and coalesce around him. Meanwhile, Maverick reunites with former girlfriend Penny Benjamin, to whom he reveals that Rooster's now-dead mother made him promise to keep her son from flying. To that end, he blocked Rooster's application to the Naval Academy, setting back his career. Maverick leads, later meets with Iceman, who has throat cancer, and communicates by typing, but reassures Maverick about teaching the team. Days later, Iceman dies. Maverick and the team attend his funeral. With Iceman gone, Cyclone removes Maverick as mission trainer and sets new parameters that are less risky on approach, but riskier on egress. However, Maverick makes an unauthorized flight of the simulator course with the original parameters proving that it could be done, because of course it can. Cyclone is convinced and reluctantly appoints Maverick as strike leader, because of course he does. Maverick chooses the mission team. Why and is would you want with the best the- person to do it? Um, is paired with Phoenix and her WSO Bob, while Rooster is uh, paired with Payback and his WSO Fanboy. Hangman and the remaining aviators are put on standby. The team launches the aircraft carrier USS Theodore Roosevelt, while cruiser USS Leet Goof 
fires Tomahawk cruise missiles to destroy the airbase near the plant. The team reaches the plant and destroys it, but are attacked by surface-to-air missiles and a pair of patrolling Su-57s. When Rooster runs out of countermeasures, Maverick sacrifices his jet to protect him and ejects. Believing Maverick to be killed in action, the remaining aircraft return to the carrier. Against orders, Rooster turns back and saves Maverick from a Mi-24 helicopter gunship and a shot down by another surface-to-air missile and ejects nearby. The two reunite and head towards the destroyed airbase where they steal an F-14 Tomcat and head back to the carrier. Maverick and Rooster shoot down two intercepting Su-57s, but a third arrives as they run out of weapons and countermeasures. Hangman arrives from standby to shoot the Su-57, and the planes return to cheers on the carrier, where Maverick and Rooster reconcile. Sometime after the mission... Sometime after the mission, Maverick and Rooster work together on a P-51 Mustang at a hangar near the test facility where Maverick was previously previously stationed penny arrives with her daughter amelia and maverick takes her for a ride in the p-51 rooster walks to a photo board and acknowledges a photo of their mission success alongside a photo of his late father and younger maverick all right jason you've been waiting a really long time to (laughs) to talk you've been waiting very patiently you're a good boy jason we love you please tell us your thoughts and feelings on god and whether or not you'd really like to meet her well i don't believe in god so please tell us about the movie you idiot um i actually love this movie uh even though you know it ripped off star wars um with the uh final mission but you know it's nostalgic for me top gun's one of my top five movies uh hence why i wanted to be a part of this lengthy discussion tonight that i wasn't a part of for 20 minutes um but (laughs) but uh but look, not, hey, stop not that. Hey, look, wait, wait one sec. I have girls I have to impress. Shut up. Just go with it. Please continue. That was, well, that's I was why, whispering that to you. I was whispering that to you why, so no one else would hear it. That That's why I'm on the show. You have people to impress. So your far, far superior knowledge outshines me. Because um, <laughs> I'm just a dumb jock of the network. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a fun movie. Uh, I took the wife to see it. She absolutely loved it. Uh, it wasn't as I actually thought it was better than the original, um, with a lot of By technical far. aspects. Uh, with a lot of technical aspects, and you know, nobody died. Uh, that mattered anyway. Uh, but the you know the touch on something that was really cool about this movie is you know Val Kilmer's inclusion in it because you know he did have a tracheotomy, he lost his voice, but I think it was a Swedish AI company was able to replicate his voice. And that's where you actually heard the voice come from when he actually speaks in the movie is they was able to replicate his actual voice. And he was just mouthing the the words and they inserted the voice because he doesn't have a voice box due to his throat cancer. And I thought it was really cool that they actually included his throat cancer into the movie. All right. Um, David, sticking strictly with the craft here of the movie, what'd you think? Well, over the years, we've we've seen a lot of way too late than they should be sequels. You know, every so often you get one that's not so bad, like a Tron Legacy. A lot of the times you get absolute garbage, like a Ghostbusters answer the call. This movie's existence in and of itself justifies all of them, <laughs> in my opinion. Like this, this was just about everything I could ask for in a Top Gun sequel. Like it was. Keep going. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was just reading, reading the comments, you know, like you, your valued commenters. 
<laughs> we appreciate yeah. you all for listening. Thank yeah. you for still we listening. Absolutely, we so appreciate. We so 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 appreciate you all for listening. Wink. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, this this film, like I thought, it was like real good classic filmmaking. Uh, they didn't feel any need to like make Maverick less of a great pilot. They give him other challenges and other issues he has to work through. In many ways, I found Maverick's sort of arc to be very similar to like uh, a, one of the Rocky movies, where you know, the Rocky movies were very much based around where Stallone was in his career and in his life at the time of making them. I think you could apply that to this film too, where Tom Cruise is sort of. You know, an aging action star in a changing cinematic landscape, sort of, you know, wondering, you know, where is my position in this? What is my legacy? That kind of stuff, yet still also wanting to do really cool stuff. So I think that kind of gave the movie a decent a decent heart to work through. Uh, but but yeah, like it, overall, it, it just feels so much like, I think there, there are people who want to make movies and there are people who have to make movies. Like when you deal with the people who want to make a film, they actually try hard to come up with creative new ways of doing film. Whereas you just have the people who are like, uh, you know, here, take this franchise. We want to make a movie of it because money. Right. Yeah. Whereas this one, it really felt like at least Tom Cruise and a lot of the cast and crew actually wanted to make this film and wanted to make it good. Like, again, the, the movie doesn't use CGI where it doesn't have to. You know, like so much of this stuff is filmed like in the air with real planes with in the real cockpit. Uh, some things had to be CGI because, you know, the Navy's not going to allow them to like break any planes or do anything overtly dangerous with them. And there's no way you're going to get Russia to loan you a couple of SU-57 fighter jets to blow up. So, you know, but but to their credit, it looked really good. <laughs> I, I think because they've used so much real stuff, that they did the CGI stuff like you, it wasn't that noticeable. Uh, like they like for the dark start at the beginning of the movie, they actually got people from Lockheed Martin Skunk Works to help design what the aircraft would look like. So it actually does use a lot of sort of real world-ish cutting edge technology. So yeah, like I just uh, yeah, I, I think it was just it was a great film. I thought that the the arc for Maverick dealing with sort of these issues from his past, trying to you know sort of figure out where his life's going to go now that he's near the end of his career. It's it just it worked great. Uh, I think this movie, much like the first Top Gun, first of all, I'm in total agreement with Jason. This is a much better film than the original Top Gun. You and I talked about that on the on trial, David, that um, it seemed like, you know, based on the uh, development history that we had talked about, you know, they were trying to present a movie about this um, this fighter pilot, fighter pilot program. And we surmised and we assumed that they had edited the script to make it more crowd crowd pleasing. They gave more time to the love interests and uh, personal stories than the fighter jet scenes because you just can't have a whole movie full of that. What I like about so, and, and I think the movie suffers because of it, uh, which we talked about on the on trial. What I like about Top Gun Maverick is that the script is way tight. It's a two hour and 10 minute movie, but it is a very tight script in that there's a, a very concise, clear mission. They need to get young, capable pilots ready for it. They have a veteran who's able, who they think is able to teach them to do it. That's the movie. And they, it, and even though, because you have to have a love interest story, Actually, let me let me correct that because this is where Robert and I jump on top of each other and, and scream and yell. 
you don't always have to have a love interest story, but it's it's the go-to it's the go-to part of screenwriting that most Hollywood writers will employ because it's easy, it's identifiable, it's relatable. Men will bring women to this thing, women will relate to it. That's why they do it more often than not. So, but unlike the Kelly McGinnis stuff, the stuff with Jennifer Connelly is kept to, I think, a, a reasonable minimum. There's no ridiculous up close shots of Jennifer Connelly's teeth. She's used sparingly. She's used efficiently. And the best part of the Jennifer Connelly stuff is it gives Maverick an opportunity to talk about why he has a rotten relationship with uh, Rooster, which is an important element of the film. Beyond that, one of the things I really liked about this is the characters in that nobody was an obnoxious twat, which is a common problem. What was that? Except for Hangman. Well, no, but even Hangman being an obnoxious twat was redeemable at the end and did the right thing. And his his twattiness was motivated by very specific things. Hangman works as an obnoxious character because he is also demonstrated to be very, very competent. Like if he's if he's no good, then he serves no purpose. Oh yeah, he's a good pilot. But yeah, that that kind of attitude would be very much frowned upon. The always leaves their wingmen that wouldn't work. But I think he ser- serves more as sort of like kind of a bit of a more douchey version of the way Maverick was at his age. Well, like he's obviously the Ma- he's he's obviously the Maverick analog in yeah. the movie. Hey, I want yeah, to I even yeah, did anyone else have a problem with payback making the final team when he's the one that passed out from the G forces? Let's kick you this around really, misre- really, really quick. You are Stop. misremembering. It was, okay. it was Coyote. Coyote, Coyote passed out. Yeah, yeah, it was Coyote. Okay, okay. Yeah. But, and then Coyote doesn't make the final team, right? Correct. <clears throat> yeah, he's on standby, I believe. Or did okay. he quit? Moving on. Standby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I like the fact that that's a running gag through the show now. Um, anyway. I, no, I, first of all, Glenn Powell is my favorite character in this entire movie. He's awesome. He ha, he has that wonderful smarmy charm about him that I just find delectable. And he did a great job with it. But again, there's so much restraint in, the, in, in efficiency and the characterization and screenwriting to where he's just douchey enough to be as close to a villain in this movie as you can other than John Hamm. But he's not so overbearing and overwrought and overwritten that he's impossible to cheer for at the end. Or... To the point where it, it takes away from the movie because he's so unbelievably twatty. Like it, yeah. he hit a lot of the characters hit the right pitch. Same thing with Phoenix. There's yeah. you know we we talk, we have documented at length the treatment of female characters in movies where you know they, every all the men have to be diminished so the woman can shine. Or and there has have to, to be pay, so many lines of dialogue telling you yeah. how awesome the woman is rather than showing right. you. I you what what's great about her is that they went out of their way to seemingly write her and that she's just a pilot, not a she's a pilot first, not a woman first, which is very different from modern screenwriting. So I thought that that was really, really good. Um, Tom Cruise. It's funny. I was talking to somebody recently and they were like, I'm just over Tom Cruise. I would just just stop making movies already. I'm done with you. And I'm like, it seems a bit harsh. I mean, that's that's fair, but understand that you are not everyone. (laughs) Sure. I, I, oh, this was, this came up last night. We, we met it, we met friends and one of the people in the, in the group that we were talking to was just like, I had made a, I had made a point, Robert, about saying there were two draws left, two, two name draws left in Hollywood, The Rock and Tom Cruise. And everyone kind of turned and looked at me. 
everyone kind of turned and looked at me like no tom cruise isn't draw i'm like no he's the only draw left besides the rock and robert and i have spent 10 years documenting this I'm like don't challenge me we have the data <laughs> I, I was with you man i i got you but yeah i like tom cruise still his people still go out to see tom cruise movies Men identify with Tom, despite the jokes about homosexuality and all that with Tom Cruise. Men still identify with him as a as a man's man, a masculine man, a guy, a guy to look up to and to and to well, want to be like. Yeah, that's short joke. <laughs> you walked um, into it. I had to make it. <laughs> moving on. So my point is, like, he's still a big time draw for movies like this. Um, and I thought he was used well. I thought I thought as a character arc. Um, you know, him wrestling with, you know, him only seeing himself as a pilot and then having that, you know, the risk of that being taken away from him, it being challenged, him trying to figure out what is life after piloting when it's gone, which is something he hadn't considered, like he was going to live forever, like Peter Pan. That scene with him and Val Kilmer was really well played. I think Val Kilmer did an excellent job of looking like he was about to die. <laughs> so, um, because he is, because he is, um, the, but I think I'm going to echo my son's statement, and then I'll throw it over to you, Robert. This is, these are always the hardest reviews to do because it's like I don't have a lot of criticism here. I don't. I can't think of really anything that was wrong with it. Like I said, the best parts of the movie are the action sequences, but everything else, holding all the other legs of the stool, are solid. Nothing is broken in this movie. It's darn near perfect. So I'll be curious to see beyond any sort of technical misgivings, what of the craft you might have had an issue with. Well, let's start with the elephant in the room. Okay. There is no movie that could not be improved by replacing Miles Teller with literally anyone else. All right, let's have this fight now. Ready? Ding, ding. Why are you being racist against Miles Teller? Because he's an alien. Miles <laughs> Teller is not a human being. He's Allegedly. A Allegedly. Miles Teller is an experiment put together by the people at Google about an a he is an AI's approximation of humanity. Alleged. That's what Miles Teller is. Miles Teller, I'm going to fight you. Miles Teller is a Miles perfectly one face. One face. He's almost. He's got as much emotional range as Tessa Thompson. The, you're, you're out of your goddamn mind. First of all, uh, look, I was with you on that three-hour therapy session. Too old to die young, and I understand in that one he had the emotional range of a of a mop. Here he's shimmying shoulders. You know he's like. The, God, what he's was got, the movie? He's got two facial expressions here. Okay, two. He's very personable no, no, no. in this movie. Look, hold on. Okay, let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you what they are. Okay. There's pensive, <laughs> and then there's with the sunglasses on. <laughs> with the, the sunglasses, sunglasses are on, and he, when he doesn't have to emote here and show you how dead he is behind the eyes, he can fake a smile. Miles Teller was perfectly personable in this. Again, we're dealing with, I can't remember what movie we were talking about where um, people were screaming that, you know, the, the people in the movie were not giving a lot of emotional range. And I'm like, they're soldiers. What did you want them to do? Run around and panic and throw their guns in the air? I can't remember which movie this was where we had that discussion. It was some, something recently that I listened to. Uh, if, if there's one recently you listened back to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that was me yelling about Jai plank of wood courtney and Tem terminator genesis that was the one yes we had yeah i we were having you and i were having this very same stupid argument over how, when when an actor has to act like a soldier or law enforcement they're not going to act you know out they're not going to act out tremendously emotionally these are trained professionals 
made to act somewhat stoic. And I thought, I thought Miles Teller did a perfectly serviceable job of playing somebody struggling with resentment against Tom Cruise. And I thought when he had, when he's playing the piano, when he's mixing it up in the bar, he's perfectly happy and wonderful and acting goofy. But when he has to be a soldier, he's acting like a soldier. And I'm going to ask you again, and I'm being serious now. I'm not doing shtick. Why can you not, why are you having such difficulty seeing the man playing the role directed as he was appropriately? And, ex and what exactly were you expecting? Okay. Again, the stuff in the bar, I'll give you a bit of a pass on because he gets to wear his sunglasses. As long as he can wear the magic sunglasses, he can do a rough approximation of a human being. Okay. And he's... I think my art, I think my issue with his performance here, uh, let me start out by saying this. Okay. This is probably one of his better performances, the side of Whiplash, which I still maintain is just a carry job by J.K. Simmons. But Teller doesn't, you know, poop the bed in that one either. Unlike so many other things he's done. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. These are our you are, fans. You are allowed to like whoever you like. Right. Love. She, yeah, it was love. It was not like. Uh, okay, you can love him all you want. His diminished testicle size from all the steroids he was on for this is going to make some of that difficult. I'm really, you, I, I, I want to know how you. When, when did you check his testicles? Is my my question. And you talk about me being homoerotic. Homoerotic. Hold on. Uh, yeah. Here. Okay. If we're gonna have this minor, if we're gonna have this minor Fuck detour, you, I'm, hold on. If we're gonna have this minor detour, let's have it. Any actor in a movie where their shirt has to be off for a significant period of time is on steroids. Any of them. So is that why Reality. Val Kilmer got, I, I'm not Val even Kilmer got throat cancer? No. Well, is that why they killed Goose? So many jokes. Ow, 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 the jokes. I can't. He's like actually like sick. All right. Uh, look. Again, look, hang on. That's, Robert's so, side that's comment about steroids. Robert's side comment about steroids aside. Back to Miles Teller. Again, he's very bipolar in this. Again, when he can play with the sunglasses, he does a decent approximation. As soon as they're off, like, it's not even just around Maverick. As soon as those things are off and he has to emote with his eyes, it all kind of falls apart. Okay. He's not I like, the... I, I feel like that's... Hang a, on. I'm going to go ahead and say... No, no, no. I want you to continue, but I need to react to that. I feel like that's a quibble. It's not a quibble when you consider it's a wild inconsistency in characterization. Give me an example. Okay, outside the first time we meet him in the bar, like you mentioned, he's rocking up with his shirt unbuttoned, and oh, I didn't know you were back in country. And he's willing to play the piano, and he's willing to be the life of the party, and this is all fine and dandy. And when he's in any other circumstance, apart from when they're playing football on the beach... He is Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You, sh you shove a lump of coal up his butt, you'd get a diamond. Everything is okay. just... Why are you talking about, you know, anal sex uh, and testicles? Oh, my God. Leave him alone. Stop, being, stop bullying Robert. I have a serious question. I'm going to save right. you from Jason. Jason is bullying. Um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm inquiring. I'll bet you are, Watate. Listen, Watate. my real question... Wada, <laughs> um, my real question to you is more like, can you, if you're going to comment on his performance, you have to show, you have to show me where 
the performance demanded something more of him and he didn't hit the he didn't hit the register which i'm i'm struggling like, thinking back through his performances you know he's stoic where he's supposed to be stoic he's enraged where he's supposed to be enraged he's partying when he's supposed to partying I never, we have watched and commented on many films where, so a, a really great example of what I'm talking about, Tony Stark at the end of Civil War, you know, how that's not an appropriate human reaction to what you've just been told. Hi, Andrew. We'll, you know, we're, we're going, we're going to need you to emote more than what you're giving us. And we, and I said at the time, I was like, I don't know how much of that was Robert Downey Jr.'s fault and how much of that was direction. So that's what I'm saying. Like, really, like, go back over the film again. Where did he not hit the pitch he was supposed to, in your opinion? And then we got to move this on. There's at least two sequences, but I want to save talking about them for later because I have other issues with them. Okay. Um, there's a couple of the sequences where he's flying that I just found baffling. Uh, and I, I don't know how much of that was them thinking they were characterizing him a certain way and how much of that was them uh, miswriting the character or how much of that was him going, no, I think I want to play it like this. So it, that gets a little bit lost in the soup there. Mm -hmm. But I, again, I just always think you can do better than Miles Teller. And unfortunately, here's the problem with Miles Teller. And this is not necessarily a him problem. Okay. He has not yet had his come to Jesus moment like Kevin Bacon did. Okay. Kevin Bacon spent a lot of his career uh, trying to be the lead. And I like Kevin Bacon. And he had to have a moment of realization that if I want to be in big movies, I'm not going to be the lead. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, again, whether or not that was fair to Kevin Bacon at any different point in his career is something that can be debated endlessly. In the case of Miles Teller, no one buys him as a leading man. Okay, he's not the lead in this either. I I'm aware of that. Just hang on and go with me here, okay? Okay, I'm, I'm with you. He's he's just not a leading man. Okay. And the market and the res everything he's ever done has borne this out. In this kind of role, I think he's better. But I guarantee you the sequel they're going to try to make to this, and you know they're going to try to make a sequel to this, Please, is going to be him. It's going to be Top Gun Rooster. Uh, we can all make all uh, the... Top tell Gun Rooster. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You tell me well, I'm hang wrong. On. No, you're... you're not wrong, but I want Jason's idea of Top Gun Cock. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. It's going to be Top Gun Cocks. It's going to blend the... The overtones from the first one with this one, and it's just going to be—it's going to be NC-17. It'll be released in June of next year. I, I, I hope they're all in—I hope they're all flying their F-18s, buck-ass naked. I'm just leaving that up for the whole rest of the show. No, it's—it's going to be—it's going to be like the ambiguous gay guys car from Saturday Night Live. That's how it's going to have that overtop shot of the the jets to look like schlongs. Go on, my get, gripe there, my gripe on. there is my gripe there is that's what they're going to try to do. We know that's what they're going to try to do. And if you feel free to tell me if you think I'm wrong about this, I don't want it. Nobody wants it. But okay, that's I mean, what they're going to try to do. No, no, no. As far as like the sequel that focuses on Miles Teller, I agree with you. Here's my issue. I don't. 
you're, you're, you're making comments about Miles Teller, and I'm waiting for you to get to where his performance doesn't hit register, where his performance is not, isn't where it should be in a particular scene. You're, you're bellyaching about... <laughs> okay, your ba- hang on. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. Let, let's dovetail to the clearly reshot sequences, shall we? Yeah, go ahead. Our studio notes after our pilots crash into not Russia. Right. Because we need Marvel humor in this, right? Of course. So naturally, the first thing Tom Cruise does when he comes up on Miles Teller is shoves him to the ground. And Miles Teller's response is, well, you told me not to think. (laughs) This was written by the same idiots that write Marvel movies. He and the theater laughed both times I saw it. I'm not saying it's not. A, I'm These not saying people don't understand their audience perfectly. I'm not saying we'll it's not. A, the results of that more when we get to the money. I'm not saying that those moments don't work. If you say things in a certain rhythm, you'll get people to laugh. You don't have God to say anything that. funny. God knows, I know that's true. You do, you say it in a, in a specific rhythm, and you will elicit the appropriate response. People, especially most people in a movie theater by the time you get to that point in a movie are brain dead and they will and then we get the well we well, have and his ability to be thoughtful throughout an entire film unlike everyone else on the planet eh. i mean that's what we're supposed to be doing when we're critics right mm-hmm. then we get them walking uh, hey let's go steal the old airplane okay that's not the worst idea in the world and we get some nostalgia bait here because who doesn't love the f-14 but hey, there's more guys. Yeah, there's more guys over there. Just keep walking. More guys over there. Just keep walking. Should we start running? Yeah, we should start running. Uh, I say these are reshoots because I would almost guarantee some executive looked at this and went, I need humor. And this was their ham-fisted, paint-by-numbers attempt at doing so. I hate those scenes. I absolutely hate them. They don't fit. Now, other people can enjoy them all they want, and I, I take issue with Tom Cruise's acting in those sequences, too, but he at least maintains a degree of intensity in elements of them that feel somewhat appropriate. Uh, I, I don't need the younger pilot to jump in the back of the F-14 and go, God, this is so old. <laughs> like the, there's, I, If I have a gripe with this movie, it is the writing. Uh, like, like okay, Setting yeah. aside my issues with Miles Teller. So let me let me go ahead and help you, but also challenge your point. All right. You're not wrong. A lot of Hollywood screenwriting is dumbed down, so as much of the general audience gets it as possible. There's assumptions made that the vast array of people of various shapes and sizes going to see these movies is not going to get subtlety, so they write that way. And I get why you're criticizing it, and you're right to criticize it. But like David pointed out, we're not making high art here we're making something that's going to make a billion dollars in the general public concessions have to be made. You can say I'm, you can say the script gives into concession too much and it's dumbed down too much and it hurts my feelings, but acknowledge the fact that it has to be that way. It, it doesn't. That's my gripe. Like there okay. are, con- there are concessions that have to be made. All the characters here apart from Maverick are fairly flat. They are characterized. Well, there's a difference. And they, are, and they are characterized well, but they're flat. We don't spend enough time with any of them for them to mean anything. I don't know. I think if you spent too much time with the other pilots, I'm, you would look, have dragged I'm not, down the movie. 
again, I get the balancing act that we're going for mm-hmm. here. I do. Yeah. That's why I say if, if you're going to make this, con- that's a concession that has to be made. And so you do it. You, you paint certain characters broadly. You let them be characterized more than characters. And we kind of go with it. And okay, fair enough. That's so, you. So can, can I jump and ask you a question here? Sure. So, so why did, why did Maverick save Rooster? I imagine the original version of the script had him dying there. So we could just do a straight sequel without Tom Cruise. And then Tom Cruise's ego said, no way. Well, er- in, in which case, thank God for Tom Cruise's ego. It saves him a lot of this movie. Well, er- earlier in the film, he, he mentioned to. Oh, if you, oh, Eddie. sorry. If you mean, if you mean foreshadowing. Yeah. When he talks with Rooster, he says, Rooster says, I've never lost a wingman. You fly long enough. It'll happen. And here we go. He loses his wingman. But when, when he's talking with Penny, he says, you know, I, He's, I tried to be the father he didn't have, and I promised his mom I'd keep him safe. Right. I mean, it's and, hard, and like, it's, it's hard to argue like, when, you, when you write something in the movie and pay it off later. It, yeah. so like, as people who, who, who study and criticize film, that's what we're looking for. And then, like, then they do it and we're mad about it. I'm <laughs> like, not mad about it. Hold on. That Maverick is concerned about letting Rooster into the mission because he's concerned for his well-being. Rooster almost gets hit by a missile. Maverick sacrifices himself to save Rooster's life. And then once he has saved Rooster's life, Rooster then almost gets himself killed, trying to save Maverick, defeating the entire point of everything Maverick has been doing up to this point. Do you think that upon meeting again, you'd be like, what the hell, man? You've just destroyed everything that I've been trying to do for you, your dead mom, and your dead dad. Like, what part of that does not make any sense? That makes sense. His response being a lighthearted quip annoys me. Well, maybe because well, we just got through 30 minutes of people almost dying that maybe we needed a bit of a break. Like, just like, psh, let, let let the tension sort of relax a bit what, and then we can move on. What else, Robert? Two more stupid quips. Again, like, the, the Marvel humor in this kills me because I hate Marvel humor. I, I okay. genuinely hate it. It's lazy. Let me put the Marvel bit in there. What else, Robert? I like plenty of humor. I just don't get to talk about it here because we don't review comedies. Hey, you could have been on Fire Island last night. Well, yeah, but then I couldn't have made the trip back here in time for the podcast. Hang on. God damn it. If you're going to do that sort of thing, (laughs) I'm not even ready. God damn, pal. All right, move on. There, see, comedy to diffuse tension. (laughs) I can keep going if you want. I got more buttons. I'm sure you do. I, what's the other issue? I don't like the characterization of John Hamm's character. What it was feels... wrong with John Hamm? I mean, look, the movie was lacking in villains, and because they didn't want to use the enemy combatants as villains, that's not really what the story was about. Somebody needed to be... Maverick needed an adversary. It really couldn't have been Hangman. It couldn't have been Rooster. Rooster was... The, the character of Rooster is there for Tom Cruise to um, uh, reconcile with. And Hangman is more of Rooster's adversary, not really Maverick's. Maverick needed his own adversary. What's wrong with John Hamm? I don't object to him being an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Again, like my objection is not that he's an obstacle. My objection is some of the specific characterization that goes into him. Like what? If his point of view is that it's pilots potentially dying on the way back after destroying this facility is an acceptable risk, given the nature of the facility you're dealing with, that needs to be his point. And that's not his okay. point. That point is never made. Tom Cruise says, I'm going to train these guys to, you know, fly, do the mission and get home safely. And John Hamm kind of goes, yeah, sure, whatever. And they never really, 
he never makes a point of view. It's just meant to make him seem callous. One sec, Jason, just so I can get you in the discussion. Am I misremembering? I thought John Hamm very explicitly says in the movie that casualties are acceptable and we're going to run the and we're going to run this mission outside of the parameters named by Maverick because if people don't come back that's fine with me. I thought he explicitly says that at some point in the movie. He does. Well, I mean, it's not that on the nose. Uh okay. it's basically he he words it as an implication not as a direct statement uh okay. that he's like yeah we'll we'll do it this way but you know with it being the type of mission it is casualties are acceptable uh and they ex and he expects people not to make it back from the mission okay and your issue with robert was that that wasn't made more plain in the in the dialogue it's more, it, it, it's how it's presented Okay. He's again. He's presented as being because they they walk this weird line with his character, where he doesn't like Maverick. But if they left him as a guy who doesn't like Maverick with a legitimate point to why he opposes him, I think that makes for a stronger dynamic. Instead, it's, does, no, I don't. He does talk about the fact that Maverick. This is the military. Maverick won't follow orders with any reasonable uh, consistency, and that was well. And that was good enough. No, again, that's why he doesn't like Maverick, and I'm fine with that. Okay. His I'm talking about his opposition to the plan. Oh, okay. If, during one of those times when he and Maverick are disagreeing about this, he needs to say, we are preventing the proliferation of nuclear weapons. If we lose pilots here, as long as that objective is secured, <laughs> that's an acceptable loss. And then Maverick, being the humanitarian in this particular okay. case, goes, no, I, these are my I, pilots. And no losses are acceptable. I actually agree with that because I, because I'll, I'll, it's funny you mentioned that because now that you have it, it does ping something with me that, yes, you and I read the news. You and I understand what happens when you have an, uh, you know, an unregistered, uncertified uranium enrichment plant. The implication is nuclear bomb. Not a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people wouldn't know that. A lot of people don't pay attention to that sort of thing. I know it. I studied this shit for a while. You know it. You're a fucking genius. But most people don't know don't know that uranium enrichment plant ends with you know nuclear war. And you're not wrong. That probably needed to be stated in the movie. I'm wondering if it was in the script and they just cut it for time because of all the, on the other they could have, because on the other the side they... of that on the other side of that I don't know how many people cared. They just the of place all... need bombing done like uh, look all i'm saying is of all the things you could have cut for time or to explain to your audience they the fundamental disagreement between your characters as it pertains to the tactics rather than personality seems an odd one to cut like i said I, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go ahead and, and i'm gonna go ahead and make the argument that it was cut because i don't think the vast audience really gave a shit what the implied threat of the uranium enrichment plant they just needed a place to they, they needed a place to have a third act action sequence everything else is i mean look I, I'm, I'm caught between this place of sure this script could have been tighter and better everything you're saying is true but the other side of me is like yeah but the general audience will accept it at the level that it's at and and as david was saying and it bears out in the amount of money that this thing is made and the amount of critical praise it's getting. Go ahead, Jason. The only, I'm just saying, the only issue that I have with this is the exposition dump of why he blocked uh, Rooster at the Naval Academy. And I think this would have yeah. been a really, uh, the, a really cool spot here. Uh, me and Amber was talking about this. 
what would it killed instead of having the exposition dump there? Just have like a flashback of Meg Ryan on her deathbed, making Maverick promise to keep Rooster safe. That would have been one an amazing callback to the original. Mm-hmm. Two, it would have conveyed the the point a lot better and made it more emotionally charged. Maybe and because two, they didn't want to w- cut away from one of the few scenes of Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly being intimate. Well, that's that's all well and good, but I mean, you could you could have reworked this. There's a there's a lot of places in here you could have cut five minutes out to insert that scene. Okay, and I mean you could have, the you could have had it in suffered. that scene. You could have cut away from it and had that as you know as he's narrating instead of focusing right. on Tom Cruise talking you know talking face to face with Jennifer Connelly. You can just have you can have him narrate that scene and just show Meg Ryan. Um, yeah, again, and I think it would have been a great callback. I don't know. Meg Ryan, maybe Meg Ryan didn't want to do it, and they didn't want to CGI or like they you know in the uncanny valley way like they did uh, fucking Carrie Fisher at the end. Of all you would World have to one. do is put all you have to do is put contemporary Meg Ryan on a bed, and it looks like she's on her deathbed. That would have been yeah. Fun. Hey, now what's uh, what's going on there? I mean, they could have they could have got uh, Kelly McGinnis back because she looks like she's on her deathbed too. Oh my god, she, does not, she doesn't look all as right. bad as Meg Ryan does, but. Robert, your uh, final point, uh, and then we got to move on. Uh, I don't know how much I want to. This is not a hill I'm fully prepared to die on. Oh, really? But if we're, if look, you asked me about my gripes. Yep. No, no, no. I. But that's what I'm saying. Like, 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 why are you holding back now? Just let it fly, son. Well, no, no, no. When I the point I'm about to raise is not a hill I'm willing to die on. But if we're talking about my gripes, please. I thought. Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly had decent chemistry, but this is very obviously a tacked on love se- uh, romantic interest. There's not a again, they've got decent chemistry, but there's not and I don't know, it it didn't really I don't I get what the hang on, hang on. I get what I want I want to address that though, because I don't think right. I don't think they had any sexual chemistry. I think Jennifer Connelly by herself exudes sexual chemistry uh, sexuality i think tom cruise for many people exudes sexual sexuality and it was like so there's just both being sexy on screen it just didn't come together in any way they were like isolated silos of sexuality go ahead if if i might make the uh the uh the pitch meeting joke they're two attractive people in the movie so naturally yeah sure like that's kind of that's kind of all that's there as far as that goes. Um, Agreed. So I think that fell a little bit short. I get what they were going for. I I think if I had another gripe here, and this is a higher concept in the writing, Maverick's kind of reckoning with his own mortality, his midlife crisis, his... Yeah. It's, it's played so broadly that I don't... Think, I think the only time it really works as a writing beat and a narrative beat is when he's t- is when he and Val Kilmer get together. I love that scene. That scene is yeah, like a great scene. Uh, that's my favorite scene in the movie. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the action sequences because they're well shot. They're believable. Like that's all great. But like, what what's going to stick with me about this movie? It's probably that scene mm-hmm. because there's you know, Val Kilmer just acting with his face. Yep. And Tom Cruise yeah, essentially having act- to have dial. Well, he's like in agony. He's sitting in that chair in agony. 
yeah. you know, with his feelings. And there's Val Kilmer, like a priest going, you are blessed, my son. It'll be okay. It's great. Yeah. yeah, my favorite part of that scene was right at the very end where he asked you, so who's the better pilot? And then <laughs> said, let's not ruin a good moment. And then they just deflated the whole dramatic highfalutin <laughs> scene with lowbrow Marvel style comedy. I didn't love that. I really didn't. But there's also a bit of a truism when it comes to relationships that span that much time. This is true of your family, by the way, if you've, if you've never noticed this about other people. Watch how they are when they get around their siblings. They immediately regress. <laughs> like they, they go, if you get someone who again has a bunch of siblings and you know them in one setting, as soon as they're around their siblings, they like regress to 12 year olds. Right. So in this case, like those two regressing at the end of this to the cocky, you know, barely tolerable kind of occasional jackasses that they were when they first met, like, that that tracks a little bit. Yeah, well, I guess it wasn't surrogate father and son, so that too. Like again, you treat you treat peers differently, and despite the fact that uh, Iceman vastly outranks him to an almost comical degree, uh, they still clearly feel that way about each other. Right. Run an hour, finish up. So again, the romantic stuff. Uh, yeah, just the the broadness with which his you know, am I retired? Am I not retired? Am I going to keep doing this like that? It's too broad for it to be really affecting the majority of the time. And I think it hurts the script overall a little bit. So, there's that. Um, I like that he was restoring a P-51, uh, because that's a really fun plane. I think it's Tom Cruise owns it, too. Probably. <laughs> I mean, if you could, why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's his personal plane. Uh, again, I love the final action sequence. I think it's uh, well executed. Uh, the dog fighting in this is really well done. Uh, I don't think this has my favorite dog fights ever, but it's probably it's very near the top. Ironically enough, I think my favorite dog fight sequences come from a rather obscure movie starring another actor I don't usually like. Mons Cujo. Uh, there's only one dog. <laughs> But they gotta fight it. We're in the uh, money. We're in the, the hang money. on. Yeah, and the the movie version of Cujo uh, bailed out on the true ending, just for the record. Uh, now, my favorite dogfights actually comes from Flyboys, I think, which is weird. But... We're in the money. Uh, final thoughts. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed this movie as a. <laughs> I... Look, you guys say all the nice stuff, and you come to me deliberately to do the critiquing. Like I understand. No, 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 no. Hang up. Fuck you. First of all, I I will shit on movies when I decide they need to be shit on. But if I don't have anything, I'm not gonna make something up. I know. So, so, and if you have something nice to say, you're more than welcome to say it. This is your time. Don't tell. Don't sit there and be like, "You made me say the mean things." You don't make me say the mean things, but. Do we need the fourth guy in a row saying, "Boy, the cinematography is great. The dog no, fights are great." we all didn't great. need to take a turn jerking the movie off. But don't you know? If you have it, if you have a gripe, you say it. If you don't, you don't. So again, as far as as far as positives go, it's got a pretty good soundtrack. There there are some gorgeous shots in this. Um, the kind of like satellite shots that go into the beginning when he's in the. Uh, the hypersonic plane, like that's some Here. gorgeous, gorgeous. All right, stuff. let's talk. Let's talk prizes. Um, I'm guessing 
uh, this gets nominated for Oscars for sound design, uh, special effects, cinematography, you think? Uh, possibly. I might give you sound design. Special mm. Oscar for making people want to actually go and watch movies again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th okay. Th th this will win your Twitter poll <laughs> for the, the, your Oscar <laughs> Twitter poll for the year. All right. If that's all, then I want to move on. You ready? Uh, uh, yeah. Last thing. Uh, if you want to see this movie and you haven't already, go see it in theaters. This movie tremendously well, more, benefits from the big screen. More specifically, go see it in IMAX. Um, if yes. You, if, if, if uh, here's the here's the the question I asked my son, do you want reclining seats and better sound, or do you want normal seats and better picture? And he was like, normal. He was, he, I believe, he said, reclining seats because he just likes the reclining seats and didn't care about anything else. Either way is good, depending on what your preference is. If you want clear, crisp picture, go see this is move. This is a movie that benefits from the IMAX screen. However, it also just as much equally uh, benefits from the Dolby sound. So if you have a Dolby theater near you, go see it there. Don't see it on a regular digital screen, though. That is, that, that is a missed opportunity. And with that said, here comes the money. We're in the money. We're in the money. Ah, uh, that never gets old. All right. On a budget of $170 million, Marvel money, baby. This thing has made in two weeks, as a uh, as of this recording, five hundred and sixty nine point six million dollars. Paramount is just hitting grand slam after grand slam this year. They are the studio to beat, and they haven't been the studio to beat since Jimmy Carter was in the White House. My God, um, AEW finally hired MJF. Is the analogy we're drawing here? <laughs> sure. Um, all right. So we are two weeks out on this. Uh, it debuted on May 27th, but again, I, yes. I had a family thing going on, so we got we're in the, the second record, week here. This thing's hold from its debut weekend to this weekend was ridiculously strong. It dropped like 30. percent I was so, I wonder how high. I wonder in terms of I'm wondering in terms of like records how close this is to the best hold a movie has done in like 10 years. How close it is to the top. But Mark and Robert, all people only ever want to go see in theaters are Marvel movies. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you... I, I, I would not watch Marvel movies in theaters if I didn't have to review them. I'd literally just wait for them to come on Disney+. Plus. More now. importantly... Like Hollywood, <laughs> if you want to get people to go back into movie theaters, make better movies. No, that's not the You don't have to make better movies. Make movies that, make movies that appeal to the average man. Men, that's men not go the to lesson movies. either. Men, in general. Men go to, hang on. No, no, no. Is, hear, hear me out on this. Men typically go to movies more, more so than women. That's that's brought out by statistics. Men bring women. They bring, I, mean, I have the wrong thing up here. Um, men bring women to the theater uh, to see their favorite movies by and large. There we go. I have the right icon up in the top. Um, and so and men bring their children. This was a movie that appealed. And this is, again, bore out by statistics. This was a movie that appealed to a broad general male audience. Those men anchor other parts of the population into the theater. That's why this movie did as well as it did. On top of that, it didn't fall into any of the agenda-driven stuff that's currently that, plaguing that. Hollywood. Okay, you don't you did we said this with the 
female character doing the craft review. They didn't push the woman over the men. They didn't diminish the men. They didn't diminish traditional masculinity. This movie was presented almost agenda proof, uh, almost agenda free rather. And that is what the average male is looking for. Manly men slapping meat and doing manly stuff that we all want to be doing. We want to go to see our heroes doing hero stuff. And by the end of the movie, we want to feel good about those heroes. By the end of this movie, Maverick is better off. Miles Teller is better off. Glenn Powell is better off. Everyone has succeeded and looks better than when they started. This is what we want. It's, it's more than just make better movies. It's more than just, oh, they did a movie with fighter jets. They actually made a movie the general audience wants to see. And that's all in the screenwriting. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, like I said, make better movies. Yes, David. The, le the lesson here is that you have to bump up the nostalgia going through to the mid-80s instead of the early 80s. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so Top Gun Maverick was the number one movie uh, two weeks in a row. Doctor Strange, uh, number two. Bob's Burgers, number three. <laughs> yeah. Um, Doctor Strange in its, what, third week is down to nine million? Yeah. Uh, the Bad Guys went up a spot from five to four. It's tra it traded places with Downton Abbey from four to five. Everything everywhere all at once, which goes Peabod, I believe June. What did I say? June 14th? Whatever. Yeah, it's soon. It's, it's sometime, maybe today. It might, it might actually have been today. Um, and apparently, like, that's the sleeper hit of the of the year so far. Uh, Vikram debuted at number it. seven. Yep, so am I. Sonic the Hedgehog fell from seven to eight. The Lost City, eight to nine. Crimes of the Future and Watcher debuted at 10 and 11. Men, men, uh, fell from 9 to 12. Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Boredom fell from 11 to 13. Morbius. Oh, wait, Can wait, we wait. Talk <laughs> we need to talk about. Here's wait, what. Hang... Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Morbius and its second release in theater. Oh, boy, Robert. Let me tell you what. Okay, this is what happens when people don't pay attention. <laughs> if you want to know why, here's why this happened. It's not a joke. Here's why this happened. Okay. For people who might not know what the fuck we're talking about, why is Morbius back in theaters again? Because it trended on Twitter consistently. That's it. Some idiot on Twitter posted a joke about wanting Morbius in the MCU because he could jump out and go, it's Morbin time. Something to that effect. And people found this funny because it is funny. Sure. And it got a ton of traction and spawned discussion and spin-off memes and the like. Idiots at Sony who did not pay attention to the context with under which this movie was trending said, Hey, people are interested. Let's pay to re-release it. And it proceeded to immediately bomb harder. <laughs> So anyone out there still memeing this thing? Do it again. Let's see if we can get them to do this a third time. Yeah, it, it is amazing Sony hasn't. We saw it trended on social media. It must be popular. You, well, these people I, never read I'm one wondering how single many... thing about why it was trending. Not one. I'm wondering how many times Sony has to embarrass itself before Sony Corporation um, proper just sells off its movie division it's it's ridiculous like this is getting to fox level of embarrassment and we know what happened to fox um so moving on um 
at number 15 family camp deep in the heart a texas wildlife story debuted at 16 uncharted remained at 17 the unbearable weight of nicholas cage fell from 15 to 18 the northman one of the best movies of the year fell from 13 to 19 and eiffel debuted at 20 benediction 24 micah 28 the phantom of the opera 30 poser 32 neptune frost 35 uh kill devil hills at 42 which brings us to our worldwide uh here we go doctor strange currently the number one movie in the world just shy of a billion robert it's at 911 million what do you think uh this is going to come down to china i, I think As is how that works look i tried to have this conversation with you the other day and you threw a bitch fit so i don't know if i really want to have it again did you refresh my memory I, I i talked to a lot of people what were we talking about I don't think Doctor Strange gets into China because its entire finale deals with the afterlife, and China has rules about that. What was my complaint about that argument? You were sick of a podcast going long. Oh. <laughs> hey, I got shit to do. I don't have anything to do tonight. Uh, Go. Let, we, you want to rehash that conversation? Are you hurt? Your feelings hurt. No. <laughs> okay. Um... So look, explain. Uh, look, if you want to if you want to have the conversation, the reason Ghostbusters Answer the Call didn't release in China is because China has rules about what you can display about the afterlife. They don't allow things that they don't allow things in that deal right. with mythology surrounding that. No ghosts, no. And the entire finale of Doctor Strange 2 is him possessing a dead body and cloaking himself in the spirits of the damned while they mm -hmm. try to discorporate him from that telling him no, Stephen Strange, you do not possess the dead. And this is going to... Look, okay. you can I mean, edit that, that, out... That's a fair argument. It'd be hard to edit out that third. Hey, what, the only reason I'm interrupting you... Jason, did you say you needed to get out of here? Yeah, I need to bow out now. All right, go ahead and do your plugs real quick. Uh, you can find me on Mosaic Media, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> and right. th this is a this is another month of Jason and Mark. Yay! All right, what Yay. is the next thing you're doing? What is the next thing you're doing, Jason? Uh, the Black Phone. Jurassic World. You're gonna be no. Oh, I've Jurassic got, World. Me and Amber's on for Jurassic World. Then I've got me and you on for Winning Time, and then we got Elvis and the Black Phone. All this yep. month. All right. Yep, that's right. All right. So if you like Jason tonight, and really, why wouldn't you, Watate? Uh, he'll be back two and three more times. Talk to you later, Jason. All right. See you guys. All right. All right. So yeah. Also FYI, I can probably stick around for another 10 minutes for critic review. And then, then I got to okay. run. Through. All right. Well, that's, that's wrap. I don't want to do too much longer than on Dr. Strange, but I think it's a fair point that if culturally they're doing stuff that China is not going to be, um, too warm it's the, to, it's the Chinese it, censorship community community. Yeah, then they're not going to get into China in which case, at this point, I don't. I mean, I think it goes to it's Disney too, it's Plus. It's too close. June twenty second. Yeah. So it's too close. So do you think it crosses? Do you think it crosses or no? If it gets into China, yes. If it doesn't, no. I think right, I think it's on. that binary at this point. Okay. The Batman petered out at seven hundred and seventy million. That's as good as it's going to get for the year. Watergate Bridge, the Chinese propaganda film, at number three. Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Currently on the worldwide chart at number four with $569 million. The, the question I have for you is this. Next week is Jurassic World. Yeah, That's going to eat into it. The following week is uh, Pixar's Lightyear. 
maybe. I mean, people that go to the movies that people go to the movies that weekend are going to see Lightyear, but I don't know how much of the Venn diagram, you know, it, it's going to cut into. It's all pi- uh, they're both movies about pilots. Why wouldn't you go see the new one? And then the twenty fourth. Oh, like so they only the 24th, the, the 24th, you have Elvis and the Black Phone, and then you have Minion. So it's a tall order, I think. Um, the, the people I talk to, they're willing to go to the movies to see Top Gun. They're not willing to go to the movies to see much, much else. And yes, I think Jurassic World brings in high numbers. I think Lightyear brings in high numbers. I don't know how well Elvis or the Black Phone will do. But if not. Minions is anything like the first one, that's, you know, that's going to bring well. in people. Dude, Minions, but, Minions is going to bring in a lot of people. My point then, and then I don't know how much better Top Gun does at this point. Um, I don't. And are, are you aware of whether or not it's going to get released in China? I don't know why it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think is my only thing. They don't. They're very. This is very like the first one. It's very kind of geopolitically neutral. I mean, they don't it, even it, mention fighters that they've, they're flying against. They don't say SU fifty sevens. They just say fifth generation fighters. So. Yeah. Like that's the level so the they go. The, so the question is, in terms of the money is: is there are, is despite its stiff competition for the next four to six weeks, is there enough interest in this movie going forward, despite the competition, uh, to get it to the billion dollar mark, which is something that we always consider in this section of the podcast. But more so than that, and I want to throw this wrinkle out there: the forty-five day window does not apply. I don't know if you saw this. This thing has a hundred and twenty day window. And I'm wondering if that's, you know, if that's the very thing that gets it to a billion dollars, Robert. If there's a thing that does it, that will be it. Uh, okay. The extended theatrical window is going to help it a lot because yeah. a lot of this other stuff is going to be like this thing will still be in theaters when Jurassic World goes to whatever streaming service it's going to. It's going to go to Peacock. Okay. Um, I, I genuinely cock. don't know. Genuinely don't care. <laughs> All right, Uncharted currently at number five of 400 million. Fantastic Beast. Oof, what a bomb that was. Um, and, and Sonic the Hedgehog, 392 million. The Bad Guys, 219 million. Too Cool to Kill, 217. And Nice View at 211. Uh, we really don't need to go into the calendar at this point. Like I said, it's next week, it's going to be the, num- the number one movie in the world. It's going to end up being Jurassic World. So let's go ahead and do the critical review. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Okay, it would be helpful if I actually had the right Top Gun. God damn it, pal. Uh, here we wow, go. Only there 56% it is. Percent originally. Wow, yeah. they're almost neck and neck, critics and uh, audience. Yeah. yeah, it's like this is beloved. I, I, it's my, it's the the the, the, um, the craft review on this was interesting to me tonight because, like I said, between you know the the general public loving it and you know and it having, I'm actually surprised that the the critical um, consensus is as high as it is because well, you know, jingo, I- jingoism. Well, hang on. The critical consensus is high as it is because I imagine even if you have gripes with this, like I do, it's still a pass. Like again, if we go pass fail, I got mm-hmm. problems with this movie. This is not an A, but yeah. it's a darn solid B, B plus. 
All right. Uh, Top Gun Maverick pulls off a feat even trickier than a 4G inverted dive. <sighs> Delivering a long belated sequel that surpasses its predecessor in wildly entertaining style. And the audience says, it flew planes and I clapped. Um, if you love the original or enjoy some good old school action, you need to speed your way <sighs> to screening of a Top Gun Maverick. All righty. Uh, let's see here. Let's see if I can find Kevin Carr, fat guy at the movie. I haven't bullied him in I'm, five minutes. I'm sure you can. <laughs> um, Louisa Moore of Screen Zealot. The film is not without its problems, as we've acknowledged, but it's a near-perfect masterclass in giving the people what they want. Accurate, but not really all that helpful as far as the film itself. True. Ed Whitfield like of... People like stupid things. I'm not saying this movie's stupid, but she is correct that this movie is very much a feed concepts into an AI, and it will give you the broad strokes of this movie about how to appeal to X. And yeah. that's not always a bad thing. Ed Whitfield of the Utre, the Utre, Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy podcast. Top Gun's appeal is built on U.S. exceptionalism, on Get competitive machismo, on competitive machismo, on bread and butter heroics. The sequel offers it polished and unreconstructed. Yeah, just because you see things those way doesn't mean everyone else does. Yeah, seriously, there's a world of difference between films built on exceptionalism and films that you look. What was um. How was the Harrison Ford movie? Him and Liam Neeson. Uh, K-19, The Widowmaker. Was that built on Soviet exceptionalism? No. <laughs> it uses it uses a specific backdrop set in a specific country and is a military film. That doesn't mean it's singing the praises of this ideal. This one doesn't. That's a that's a inaccurate criticism. It's an inaccurate assessment of this film. Michael Ward, should I see it? Mission accomplished. Uh, wrong Tom Cruise movie franchise review poll quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like he had that. He has that queued up for Dead Reckoning Part One. And Nick Johnson of, here. Nick Johnson of Vanyaland. I hope you have the high heart rate alerts on your smartwatch shut off while you're in theater for Maverick, because you're probably going to get a notification every ten or fifteen minutes. You know, that's a little wordy for the DVD box, but that's totally a DVD box review. Yeah, a bit, yeah. bit more than one of those, but yeah. Also, turn off your phones for crying out loud. Right? I couldn't. Tony Baker of Tony Baker Comedy. It was corny. It was cheesy. It was emotional. It was exciting. You're sure you're not reviewing the first movie? Did your four-year-old yeah, really. write this for you? I didn't really get much corniness <laughs> or cheese out of this one. The first one, yeah, yes. Even... The most delicious yeah. 80s cheese you can ever eat. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get corny out of this at all. It was actually professionally sincere. In a yeah. lot of it, yeah. But again, like apart from offense, defense, football at the beach. Even that was a lot toned down, and it kind of made sense in the context of team building. But anyway, I digress. Uh, no, no, yeah, they, it made more sense than volleyball in the first one did. I mean, sure. That was just all like macho posturing that uh, was later mm -hmm. repurposed into gay subtext because that's the way. Th for more info on that, please listen to our on trial for the original Top Gun where Mark and I talk about changing sexual views of men over time. At length. At, at vascular length. Um, let's see. Dan Geyer of Chicago Daily Herald. To paraphrase Maverick, 
Don't think, just watch. It's not a helpful review, sir. It's not yeah. a help. That's not helpful at all. Like, th- this is the argument. If you're essentially ar- you're essentially making the argument that, well, if you turn your brain off, which is the dumbest argument in the world for the only way films are enjoyable. If your logic behind I enjoyed this film, if you shut your brain off, then you really haven't actually analyzed why you enjoyed the movie. And that's a bit of self-reflection and critical review that you should do. Yeah, I've seen better reviews written on like Facebook posts or Twitter for people who are just friends going to see movies. Yeah. All right. Um, God, this is me earlier. There we go. Um, no, that's the page one. Afro circus, Afro circus. All right, here we go. Nope, that's still the same page I was on. There we go. Um, where are you, Kevin Carr? I know you're in there. Come on out. Try to get Kevin Carr, and then then we're then we're done. Is there a search function? (laughs) Sarah Manville of Critics Notebook. This was actually rotten. Under the thrill of genuine stunt work and the pleasure of being able to relax into a story we already know, audiences won't mind that the film sensations are only based on what we what used to get us off. Used to. <laughs> yeah, one, there, there's not really a past tense here, as reality hey, indicates. Hey, hey, Robert, 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 would you say that she's lost that loving feeling? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that loving feeling. I have to look into the camera for this. You've lost that loving feeling. Now it's gone. Now it's gone. 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 Whoa. Whoa. Gone. Do 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 do. Baby, baby. <laughs> I learned that song from watching that movie. But moving. <laughs> I on. honestly, I think most no, people well, did. <laughs> well, it's so funny when you started. I was like, "Is he? Oh, he's going into Berlin." And I'm like, "Oh no, wait. He's. It's you lost that loving feeling." Um, that's fun. Anyway, uh, Andrew Kendall of Star Broke News. There's a sharper movie trapped somewhere inside the thrill of the spectacle. One that actually engages with the supporting cast and one that explores how Maverick's unchanging nature may be something to critique and evaluate rather than blindly yield to. I'd just like to point out that the title of the movie is Top Gun Maverick, not Top Gun Supporting Cast. (laughs) Again, like the, the first thing he says there about there being a better movie here, I agree with, but I'm not sure that it would get there via the vehicles suggested. So you could pretty much say that about just about every movie. All right. Last one of the night. And here's my my boy, Kevin Carr, a fat guy at the movies. Uh, You don't want to find Jeff after this? Fine, I'll find Jeff after this. If you want to be if you want to be treated to the aesthetic and feel the and and the feel and the characterization they had in the first movie, you're absolutely getting this. Everything is there. And I can see Russia from my house. Well, I mean Goose isn't there. Except in flashback. <laughs> Ellie McGinnis isn't here. Except in flashback. Neither, neither are her teeth. Migs aren't here. Not even in flashback. It's only Sukhoi's this time around. I, I was waiting for you to continue. Also, I have no, to... No, that, I mean, I, I, I suppose I could if I wanted to, but I don't especially. <laughs> um... <laughs> Javier Ocaña of Alpay, Spain. Uh, the fact that the script doesn't even cite the enemy country gives you an idea of how bland the story really is. Oh, so there are no. no problems with anyone for the release. It sounds like something my dad would say. Uh, hang on. Look. 
I mean, I'd rather they be more non. I'd rather they be more nondescript in the in the writing of this than you know, airbrushing out an entire character from the movie poster. Star Wars, resist racism, <laughs> right? Hey, I'm trying read to you. release a movie in China. Yep. Unless we can make more money. I got to read you this one really quick, and it's not so much the, the review; it's just where the review is coming from. Envy Morehead of Less Hat Morehead. You get read it, this gentleman? Before do you get it? Less Hat Morehead. Do you get it, Robert Winfrey? Do you get it? Less Hat Morehead. Do you get it? Yes. Well, do you? Toddler. Yes, toddler. I understand. <laughs> It's propulsive and spellbinding, even as you see every plot point coming at you as plainly as if it was on a radar screen. Yeah, this doesn't this doesn't reinvent the wheel in any way in that respect, but not every movie should, not every movie tries to, and this is one that I think benefited tremendously from not attempting to do anything deliberately uh, subversive. Actually, I would say that a lot of the things that happened, especially towards the end, I didn't see coming. I mean, I, like even from the trailers... Like I assumed, okay, someone's gonna die because funeral scene, but then <laughs> oh, that ice man. So it wasn't on the mission, and then yeah, it, it did a really good job of sort of keeping you guessing as to who was gonna make it and who was not, and exactly how it was gonna work out. So I mean, again, not like groundbreaking four dimensional chess stuff, but yeah, like I, I didn't know exactly what was gonna happen. All right, we have uh, Leonard Malton uh, weighing in from <sighs> LeonardMalton.com, top critic. Oh, why good old Uncle you, Leo? Why aren't you dead yet? <laughs> it's hard to picture another entry into the summer movie sweepstakes that can equal or exceed this one for pure adrenaline-fueled entertainment. I had a great time watching the film and recommend seeing it as I did on a giant IMAX screen. Thanks, Thanks not Leo. Not exactly. not, okay, much as I dislike Leonard Malton as a general rule, he's not wrong, and that actually is a helpful review. Man, this, this film even made him give a good review. I'm at this point. I'm just trying to find Jeff, but like I know, I, <laughs> I know he reviewed it. I and because he's, he's approved to be on Rotten Tomatoes, I just assume all of his stuff makes it up here. But maybe it didn't. Well, well, unfortunately, I mean, this is, I need to bail out at this point, guys. So enjoy the rest of the critical review. Yeah, it's go been, hey, go, no, go ahead, go ahead and do your plugs. We'll, we'll, we can be done. Uh, I don't really have anything to plug for myself. Just as I mentioned before, the you know, please, if you're interested in any of this stuff. Uh, you know how it works for real. Check out the Fighter Pilot podcast. They've got a lot of cool stuff on being a naval aviator, different aspects of military aviation. Uh, C.W. Lemoyne again, just look for Mover Ruins movies on YouTube. He got a lot of good uh, ex-Fighter Pilot content. Uh, and uh, Ward Carroll, if you're interested in uh, Top Gun Rio, and uh, yeah, just that that kind of stuff uh, will will sort of get you all hooked up on that sort of thing. All right, uh, before yeah. you go, before you go. Um, his David Wright will be on TV party tonight for Pacific Rim The Black season yep. two on June 16th at 10 o'clock. Um, and then he'll be on uh, The Damn You Hollywood for Lightyear and Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, the live action movie. Uh, that's on June 21st. And then on June 30th, he'll be on uh, another TV party to continue our look at Star Trek Lower Decks. And that's all for June. How about that, David? Yeah, a lot less than last month, but that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. We're all winding down here at the Rattledge and Broadcast, or the Young Stallions Network, as I called it earlier today. All right, Excellent. David, take care. <laughs> no, right. not that Young Stallions. All right. Thanks, guys. You can be my wingman anytime. Absolutely. All right. Bye, bye buddy. All right. Um, with that, I think we're done here, Robert. Anything else before we get out? Uh, not really. This is, this, this, this is just... 
since it's just me and you? Look, this movie is exactly what you expect it to be, by and large. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the fact that they... You mentioned it. Uh, the fact that this is utterly agendaless, I think, works yeah. to its credit. In let me ask you. Let me ask you an important question way. about that. Let me ask. Since it's just me and you, and we can, and I have nowhere to go, and we can just bullshit now. Let me ask you a question. Trends, movie set trends. Uh, they set trends at the studio among the executives about something hits. You know, let's make a superhero movie, then another one, then another one, then another one, then let's make a team-up movie. Oh, it made a billion dollars. Let's keep doing that. Trend. This movie comes out, and other than the fact that it's a sequel to a 30-year-old movie from the 80s, I'm wondering if this now... I mean, the go-woke-go-broke thing has been happening for quite some time, and and, and I know that there's been talk like on Midnight's Edge and some other places about... They're starting to pull, no pun intended, the plane out of the nosedive and stop doing so many woke projects. But I'm well, wondering mostly, if it... th- there's a couple of things that have gone into this. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, products, I think, got uh, more than movies, right? Like mm-hmm. advertisement products and whatnot. They got hit hardest and I think first. Yeah. And they probably are. And they were, I think, the easiest ones to kind of course correct relative to the market Mm -hmm. movies are harder in no small part because writers think they matter yeah uh i don't think this movie will reverse the trend and there's a couple of reasons okay you don't think that no i want to make sure because people are listening and like what are they talking about now my argument is the financial success of top gun maverick and the presumed identification that is a agendaless film maybe gets other executives to start thinking hey let's get the identity politics and agendas out of future movies so that we might have a chance of success that the kind of success that top gun maverick has and you're saying probably not why well there's only three major movie studios anymore right right so let's talk about the only one that matters disney you think they're going to look at this and change what they've done for the last four months. Look, here's what I'll tell you. They can't seem and, to figure and, out and, how and, to get a movie. Well, well, hang on. They can't seem to get a major uh, figure out how to get one of their major movies into China. At this point, I'm, I'm there. There may be a conversation happening at Disney going like, what do we need to change here? Because what we're doing yeah, hasn't a, been working. A conversation that is so far buried down on everyone's uh, to-do list that, Two months ago, they released their, hey, here's all the content we're making for children. And here's <laughs> all the creators. And look at all their pronouns and all of their orientations and all of their whatevers. And we're going to try and make content for your toddlers that's <sighs> agenda-driven. I'll say it politely. And you've kicked up a giant firestorm. They're not going to reverse. You know this as well as anybody. Studios are freighter ships. Like, you don't stop that on a dime. You don't turn that around on a dime. Like, there's momentum. Don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, like, next month we're going to get different movies. Look, one of the guys who was guesting on Midnight's Edge talked about there were so many projects in development under the woke uh, slash agenda-driven regime. Yeah, that's the other thing. 
that it took it, it, it took years just to climb out of that quagmire and get and to I, a place where they okay. could start developing new projects. And I think this was said a year or two ago when he was like, we're just now we're just now pulling out of it. And you're starting to see less of that. So we so if, if what I'm saying is true, we won't really see the fruit of that particular tree for another two or three years. I'm not sure how much of that will be by the time. Again, like there's so much that's going to change over the next couple of years, too, that mm -hmm. it becomes difficult to predict. I, I think if you look at some of the major studios, they're still, like you mentioned, like there was a bunch that was already in the pipe that was already mm -hmm. in development, that was already shooting or shot and being re-edited and having its release date pushed back and being reshot and recut and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Daniel Craig falling down a flight of stairs. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> that but uh do i think this movie will here's the trend that this movie is going to start if it starts a trend mm. more 30 year old sequels you know but and closer to that, 40 than 30 i'll tell you i'll tell you what if they start mining the 80s for what can we make a sequel out of that's going to end so badly it, like oh it, i know we're going to be here in a few <laughs> years know. going going we warned you not to do this so you don't do wrong, that <laughs> you took the wrong lesson from this movie it, it, really look here's the other there's a couple of things that i think are going to prevent that from happening we're going to prevent this movie from like being a big watershed moment kind of thing right mm -hmm. one you have nostalgia and nostalgia is the currency of the realm these days this nostalgia trumps creativity at every turn you tell me if you think I'm wrong about that, but that's my no, read on I, things. All, all I can think about is like Chris Bailey. Like I, I just want to cut to him wherever he is in Newfoundland right now, just surrounded by Star Wars toys. So again, nostalgia is the currency of the realm, and people are trying to figure out how to try and backdoor nostalgia into whatever pseudo creative projects they want to do going forward. That's what happened. That's what Star Wars is doing. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Hey, you like x here's kenobi we're gonna make him a bumbling idiot i've and watched it and please 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 pay attention to reva and then we right. will essentially manufacture a degree of controversy around this so we can pretend that we oppose racism while appeasing china and they're all the terrible things that they do and mandate that you do again you flaming hypocrites because you decided look if you decide to stand on that soapbox you are subjected to the slings and arrows that come with it Yep. But uh, they've done that with a couple of Marvel movies. I mean, we've talked about this. We have They have to denigrate the mm -hmm. previous generation that we are nostalgic for to try and prop up their new pseudo-creations. That's, that's it. That's what they've got. It's their playbook. It's why I'm worried about so many other things that are coming out. Uh, now, I, to be clear about my criticisms of Kenobi, I'm not saying that that show is terrible. I think that would be in... I think that would be a bit much, uh, from my perspective also, at least. I don't also like uh, too early to tell. What are we only in week two or episode three? Uh, three or four. I can't remember which one, but yeah. I mean, look, you tried to hype up the return bout between Kenobi and Vader, and then you basically should have played yet playing yakety sacks over it. <laughs> and you'll know when you watch. Yeah. Uh, so, so it, hang on. The, the long and the short. There's a few things that went into this that made this what it was. One, you have Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. one of the few genuine movie stars left. Right. And we have and the data. 
We do. Again, he's not the only one, but he's one of the few. You got him, you've got The Rock, and I think we've argued about like two other people. Uh, mm-hmm. That might not even that might not even be true anymore relative to the last time we had the discussion. So you, you've got someone with the box office presence and the kind of clout to protect his character to a significant degree that others do not have. Mm-hmm. You've got a studio that's not been as, as up to its eyeballs in the culture war as Disney has decided to be. And you've so again, you've got nostalgia, you've got a figure at the top who's able to exercise a degree of control and influence over the project that no other and that frankly Hollywood, every studio is doing this, mind you. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna generalize here. They're all doing what the UFC and the WWE do. We want you to be big but we do not want you to be bigger than the brand. Right. You want to be, a, hey, we love Chris Evans. Chris Evans is great. But he will never be bigger than Captain America. They will not right. allow it. Chris Hemsworth is great. I like Chris Hemsworth's work as a general rule. He's not ever going to be bigger than Thor. He's ne- You right. are never going to see Chris Hemsworth's name in a big leading role that will outsell the brand. Not going to happen. And studios don't want it to. They do not want actors to have that kind of leverage. But the only ones that have it are those that have either grown a giant organic fan base like The Rock or those holdovers from a bygone era when that was what sold. Well, I got to throw out there, you know, Christopher Nolan, who after the debacle with um warner brothers and legendary i think it was went into it got into a put himself in a position of there being a bidding war between studios that i believe universal eventually won and like i i just need to reflect on this because uh, people like people watching tonight people watching our show because they like us they like to hear what we're talking about if you don't know this for like the first time in history studios bid on a director to sign with that studio and they gave him everything he wanted. He's making a movie about Oppenheimer. I'm so excited bomb. for that, by the way. I know it's on the list. We're going to do it next year. But can you, with the balls on Chris Nolan, uh, Christopher Nolan, like that you have had such success with things like The Dark Knight and uh, some other movies that you can, um, Inception, that you can, that you're such a valued creator that you can demand no movie under that studio can come out within six weeks of your movie. I think it's one thing, a 120 day window, an obscene amount of money and complete creative freedom. You know, name what? Any, hey. name anyone, name anyone in Hollywood, forget about the actors, name any creator in Hollywood right now that has that kind of pull. There's one. there isn't one. There's yeah. one who could hey. get it if he wanted. I think Spielberg could still get that if he wanted. Okay. Partially, hang on. Partially because he, partially because he owns the production company. (laughs) As my dog loses her freaking mind. (laughs) You don't need to be yelling. Uh, All right, let's start to wrap. But I, 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 let's start to wrap. But I did want to have kind of an intellectual discussion about it because we have the time. 
again, I tend to think that we're uh, a lot. All the relevant people are might are probably going to take the wrong lesson from this, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty historically true of Hollywood. Hey, Jurassic Park was a big hit. What do they want? More dinosaurs. I mean, we've had that joke forever. <laughs> more dinosaurs. Yes, yeah, so you can actually hear the inception of our more dinosaurs joke uh, on the long road to ruin for Jurassic Park, which is currently up in the archive. Hey, um, you know what? Before we go, <clears throat> I mean, I'm going to let you finish up your point, but while Robert is wrapping up and then um, we start to close out, for those of you watching on YouTube or on Twitch, if you have a quick question for either one of us, we'll quickly answer. We've never done this before, but we actually have an if audience there, tonight. So, a, If there's enough people watching live, yeah, we are happy to interact with you. Please leave a question. We will address it here. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think the machinery of the system right now is too stacked against movies like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me phrase it a different way. If, if this, Let's keep everything about this movie the same, but change the name and divorce it from the Top Gun IP. What do you think it does? Right. No, it, it doesn't do nearly. I will tell you right now, this was Iron Eagle 5 or Iron Eagle The Next Generation. This isn't doing $600 million in two weeks. Rounding up. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of the thing. Uh, again, both nostalgia and uh, any sort of like long-running or theoretically long-running intellectual property, that's the currency. That's yeah. it. Creativity is mostly dead. Not entirely, but mostly. And that's not just true of movies. Like, lest, lest everyone accuse me of just dumping on everything that comes out of Hollywood, this is not just true of movies. This yeah, is no. very true of television. Not all, but again, we're talking most. It's a broad strokes. Television. It's very true of comic books. Uh, there's, there's just not a lot of like genuinely creative effort being put into start trying something new. Uh, instead, it's just trying to rehash. And it's entirely foreseeable when you understand that the budget for these things is the GDP of a couple of small countries. <laughs> it's like fucking Somalia. Uh, All I right. mean, look, if I'm going to if I'm going to shell out two hundred million dollars to a movie. You're damn right. I want as close to a guarantee as I can possibly get. Like, that's reasonable. The circumstances are not reasonable, but within the unreasonable circumstances, saying that a giant check for this movie needs to have as close to a guaranteed success as possible is not an unreasonable way of doing business. Mm -hmm. I just think that there's a giant misread about what's led to a lot of that success and popularity. Uh, I, I hope that people take the right message from this that they take the right lesson but i'm also not i'm also too cynical to think that it's prob to like the chances of that happening you know we're still probably dealing with another two years of stuff that is heavily influenced by the message the message all right well um gave everybody a chance waited a little bit i think uh we we're getting as close to two hours as we're going to get on this show so yeah. let's wrap up go ahead um i think you're the only one that didn't do no i haven't done my plugs all right um tomorrow jesse and i will be talking homicide life on the street season seven plus homicide the movie because i love jesse and i promise i would watch it but that's all for this week um that we do have a re-airing of our X-Men Apocalypse uh, review, where I'm sure we yelled and screamed at each other, as we all want to do. We Dude, have a re-airing we, of... It, we both hated that movie. 
I'm sure. Um, we have a re-airing of the Good Dinosaur review from a few years ago on Sunday, and then our Toy Story. So I was telling somebody tonight that um, she was like, "Where did you get all of these? Um, where did you get all of these people that you podcast from? Like, where did you meet them?" And I said, "Well, mostly through 401mania.com." But I said, "I got a, a good portion of of the people that I podcast with now were fans of our show, almost entirely based on Sean and I talking about the Toy Story trilogy, like." That that apparently was was big. Who somehow yeah, that, nailed that's knocked a great show. That, that's a great show from you two, for the record. Yeah, it was one of our better long road to ruins. Uh, not the least of which was because we don't think we had any audio problems that night. That helped. <laughs> blog talk. You yeah. stink. Blog talk radio. Um, so go ahead and check out um, our review from earlier today. The Podsman and I tore it up uh, talking about Hell in the Cell uh, yesterday. Okay, hang on, I haven't. I haven't listened to your review of that yet, but I just I need your take on Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, just very briefly. Um, serviceable didn't need to be in the Hell in the Cell. That's not what I'm. Uh, okay, let me rephrase. Star rating. Three out of five. Okay. And dear God, that bruise. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was ugly looking. Jesus Christ! Tore right, his pack. Tore his pack completely. His, his pack tendon completely off the bone. He's the man, though. He showed up. All right, and then last night we continued our pride our Pride Month celebration here on the Rattleism Broadcasting Network uh, by reviewing Fire Island on Hulu and Master on Amazon Prime, which I, I, we we were still struggling to this day to find out what the hell meant. Why Master is considered an LGBTQ movie? It was basically, which, you know. Black school, hey, day, uh, uh, school ties is what Sean called it. What's uh, I don't think I've seen that one then. Okay, it's Master with Regina King on Amazon Prime. All right, go oh, ahead and do your plugs. Okay. Let's get out of here. Um, oh, did I mention I got recognized briefly the other day? Uh, well, earlier today on the internet, the weirdest thing I left a comment on the AEW Dark Elevation episode, mm hmm, uh, because that's on YouTube, and somebody like responded and said 411 represent like the i've never <laughs> i have never been like because my youtube account is my name so like, yeah, i'm yeah. not hiding under a string of anything like i i'm aware that people read what i do but i am occasionally like that's never happened to me before that's weird <laughs> like, i i've never had just some random person in a comment section of the internet recognize i mean i if, if anyone was going to, it would have been there. <laughs> it would have been the AEW bots. All right. Quick. Come uh, on. So my plugs referencing that uh, I cover <laughs> professional wrestling a few nights a week for 411mania.com. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. MLW stuff on Thursday. WWE Smackdown on Friday. Smackdown has been in the toilet the last couple of weeks. It has been bad. <laughs> like Almost like Velocity. Like, it's oh, my God. It's that bad. Like, even Roman Reigns can't save it anymore? He's not on the show. Where's he like at? Roman hasn't, Roman hasn't been there. and He hasn't been on anything in weeks. Is, is he on injured? vacation. Oh, okay. He, uh, I well, think he's was a, well, Melissa asked me last night, like, why wasn't Roman Reigns at Hell in the Cell? I have to tell her now because he's on vacation. Uh, hang on. I mean, like, that, that's a somewhat glib response. He's he, he made this public. Like, he's scaling back his WWE schedule. Uh, I think he's trying i think he's like filming other stuff like he's looking at branching out from wrestling and and if so good for him 
wrestling wrestling will leave you broken as so many people can attest so if he's <laughs> if he's got other stuff he's looking to try then fair play like no roman's great but mm-hmm. roman's not there so we're on the 80th iteration of the new day and Seamus's group of idiots oh including God, the guy who crippled yeah, still going say, still going Ridge and they've dragged drew mcintyre into it to replace Big E. For the sake of making it a three-on-three, three, uh, like a trios match, right? Yeah, that's still going on. That's still ongoing. Um, Ronda's only there half the time. The women's division on SmackDown is such ass. Uh, it's terrible. Um, Riddle had a pretty good performance two weeks ago, but yeah, it's it's just not good. It's just. It hasn't been good the last couple of weeks. I can't say it like that's reality. So hopefully this week's better, but I doubt it. You know it. what I like about this? It's been so listening back to our old shows. I could just just talk to my friend for a moment. Can I talk to you? Sure. Okay. So, um, listening back to our old shows, we used to not be on time constraints, and we you know we uh, we used to just bullshit a lot. So you listen back to some of the old damn you Hollywoods and we, we would get around to reviewing the movie. There was a little bit more looser form, especially some of the old like 2015 ones. But there was definitely just mean, just oh, geez, there's two things I got to tell you. So there was one, a lot of bullshit. It's just me and you, me and you just yanking on chains and, you know, tickling each other's nipples and just, just having, just having general conversations. I can't tell you like how many damn you Hollywoods there were where we were off topic for a good 20 to 30 minutes. And yeah. this little this little last bit that we're doing here now that now that our friends are gone and it's just me and you talking and whoever else is left in the in the goddamn chat, it, it reminds me of the good old days, the good old days where you know I wasn't trying to really you know formalize this. I mean, we 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 would just shoot from the hip and just be friends and talk. But another thing happened, and I, and I don't know if you've gone back and listened to the Jurassic World show, and I laughed so hard at this, I almost like pulled a muscle like laughing while driving and crashed oh. on my way out tonight this was Dude, so yeah. funny oh yeah okay so if you'll remember there was a period of damn you hollywood where i didn't have like an office and i was recording it like in the living room but i had babies at the time so lily is four and i think jonas is around one it, it's got to be it's 2015 so yeah he's probably around one lily's got to be four and <laughs> you and I are just bullshitting. We're talking Jurassic World. We've more or less gotten through the craft review. And you and I, again, are just kind of hanging out like friends. And you're talking about something. And you just hear me yell, Melissa, get him. <laughs> Melissa, get him. <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny to me still. And you hear and <laughs> the sound of a crying baby. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that still makes me laugh. But hi, right, here's the crying baby now. Hi, crying baby. Calm. Why are you shaking me? Calm down. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so I yell, Melissa, get him. And you hear crash and a baby crying. <laughs> and take a header off the couch. <laughs> Wait, let me get there. So. <laughs> so you're like, I hope DCF isn't listening, and you know, and I'm <laughs> laughing harder at that at that point. And you finish making your point. We go to move on to something else. I'm like, no, I have to now tell you what happened. And the way I told the story, I'll just repeat it here. If you want to hear the, the the original telling of this story, just listen to listen to Damn You Hollywood Jurassic World. 
currently in our archive. Apparently, Aaron, my daughter... I, accurate, hang on, I accurately predicted how fast that friend, like, they're going to make more of these and they're going to be awful. <laughs> we, we never quite got the Jurassic Galaxy, by the way, which is what we predicted. Um, and then Jurassic Gal Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, that's um, coming. <laughs> sure. That so crossover anyway, so my, is inevitable. So my daughter falls asleep on the couch. My son, who is one, crawls up on the couch and mounts her, ready to give her a good ground and pound. And she startles. And she, wait, so she slides off the couch and they both go ants over tea kettle. <laughs> Children are a joy. And a blessing. I just, I think why that was so funny to me is like just how derelict. Like, I'm on a podcast, Melissa was God knows where, and our babies are taking headers off the couch. <laughs> And I have to yell, Melissa, get him. Because the podcast is more important than your children. <laughs> and clearly, that's just, that is exactly what happened. Priorities. All right. Anyway, I just, we had time. I wanted to reflect nostalgically. Um, anything else before we go? Yeah, just a couple of other things. Um, so that's my professional wrestling coverage. MLW has their... Um, Oh, there's celebration things like Rise of the Renegades this uh, week. So that'll be fun. Pretty big trios match. I think that's going to be your main event there. Uh, they've also mostly announced the the uh, participants for Battle Riot. And if uh, if Richard Holiday doesn't win that, I will, like, I'm not going to say anything stupid because you'll try to hold me to it, but <laughs> would be shocked. Put it that way. Would be shocked. Uh, I cover mixed martial arts for 411mania.com as well. Last week was UFC on ESPN plus 65, a mostly okay night of fights that would have been a really good regional card. Uh, this week is UFC 276? I can tell you. Uh, five. It is 275. Glover Teixeira versus uh, somebody. From Try. No, 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 no. You have to try and pronounce this name because it will amuse Pro me. Prochaska. You are not that close. <laughs> Provolone. Got it. Uh, I will be covering that this Saturday in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. If you want a full preview of that event, there's two title fights and a rematch of the best women's fight of all time. I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. Uh, that goes live. I record that Saturday or Sunday evening, so it goes up late Sunday, early Monday. And that's me. Reviews, previews, news of the week, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all that good stuff. All right, folks. Uh, then, thank you. Well, yeah, I will be back next. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Look, next week, I get to tear apart the apex of this stupid trend that's going on in Hollywood. We're not going to get a more stupid current trend than Jurassic World Dominion. You tell me if I'm wrong. I if that movie no, no. is not the what, peak. I don't care about any of that. Here's what I care about. That Amber Teasley is going to be back on here again. She'll give her like 10 minute review and then we'll do our thing. And she's going to look at us and go, why do you guys even watch movies? That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> if, if, if her assessment of us after the secrets of Dumbledore remains true, she will absolutely be sick and tired of us this time. It's going to be great. I can't wait for her to be like, why do you guys hate movies so much? We love you, Amber. <laughs> and that's on most, that note that's most people's reaction to this podcast like do these guys even like movies like you guys are honestly to to i was some getting, of our honestly i've had people texting me like what's with the guy with the stick up his ass i'm like i love him leave him alone so <laughs> uh, like i can't think can't you just 
Can't you just turn up? Can't you just like movies? Can't you just think nope. critically? We are damn you. We are damn you, Hollywood. We're here to shit on things you like, Ronnie Adams. And with that, be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>